Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to our 10th episode, Garrett, of 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Wow. Been 10 of them. We made it. We yes. made it. We're officially a hit. The ratings yes. kept us coming back for 10 episodes at least. Wow. Uh, today we are covering the episode, Surprise, Surprise, Season 2, Episode 12, where uh, Edna, ha- Edna, Felix's daughter, has a uh, birthday party. And we are going to discuss it right now. But before we talk about the content, we're going to talk about, Garrett's going to talk about the writers behind the scenes, and of which he has a personal anecdote. I do this time. It's true. Uh, But first things first, uh, surprise, surprise, is season two, episode 12, original air date, December 17, 1971. Writers of this episode, credited writers, are a writing team, very prolific in television, but this was their only odd couple episode, and that is the team of Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzall. Uh, It turns out that I knew Everett Greenbaum very well because he was a friend of my father's, and uh, my father uh, was also in, it worked in television a lot, so they worked together at various times, Uh, and uh, my father's Eddie Lawrence. uh, some may know him as the old philosopher comedian. He passed away five years ago. Uh, but uh, thanks Married to, to Gourmet, him, right? Married to Ida Gourmet. Uh, no, not to be confused with Steve Lawrence, oh. and also not to be confused with with uh, uh, Eddie Ed- Garrett, uh, who I believe you mistook. Yes, who was a character uh, actor for- on Odd Couple yes. and Klugman, who I always used to think was uh, Garrett's father. Also, not to be mistaken for the old professor Irwin Corey. Uh, uh, my father was the old philosopher, so uh, not to split a hair, as it were. So, but yeah, Everett was a great guy. He he passed away in 1999, but I remember him well. He really his uh, he had an incredible career. I mean, I knew this about him, but just looking him up really brought it home. That, uh, but his first big show was Mr. Peepers, which is a it keeps coming up in our talks ted because it was the big tony tony randall's first big show uh of course it was a vehicle for the comedian wally cox and so uh everett you know writing for the odd couple probably was some way linked to his connection to tony randall from mr peepers uh but then he went on to do a lot of andy griffith um he then really uh, did a lot of you can look at them up on IMDb. He and his partner Jim Fritzel, they really were a team, were together all the time. Uh, and he did a lot of one, two episodes for a lot of the big shows. But his what he's most known for actually is after the Odd Couple, he was one of the main writers on Mash. He wrote wow. twenty four Mash episodes with Jim Fritzel. Not um, a fan of that show. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I never really watched I it that do much. Not so like Mash. I feel that's our next podcast. We're going to review why every episode of Mash, and we're going to hate we watch like Mash. Yes, yes. we're going to <laughs> eleven seasons of Mash. Uh, no, I don't hate it. Just for the record, that's what Ted said. I don't hate it. Um, very popular show to this day. Anyway, so yeah, I always remember that Everett was uh, very big for Mash. But as a kid, 
growing up, this is the personal part, of course, I'm watching The Odd Couple, and I just saw Everett's name one day on this episode. And that made him so much cooler in my mind that he uh, actually had written for The Odd Couple. But, and I may go, maybe there's more to say about this later as once we establish what the episode's about, it turns out the only thing I remember him saying about this was that it was a horrible experience for him. Oh, really? And, <laughs> and that he, he thought Tony Randall was terrible to the writers. Uh, and this kind of confirms, you know, whether it's good or bad, it, it's just an established fact that Randall and Klugman, but especially Randall, really did take their positions as stars uh, seriously and really had a say in the scripts and the development of the episode. And the long story short, Everett was so upset about how much uh, changes had been made to his script uh, that he told Tony Randall he wouldn't write from ever again. Uh, so is it, he never, sorry, was it just the fact he changed the script or the way in which he changed the script? Was he mean to people? Uh, seems, or just he, well, you know, it just seems the more you hear about people's working with Randall that people either admired him for being so committed to the quality of the show, but to others, he seemed a bit dictatorial. Uh, it wasn't that he was mean personally, uh, but that when it came to the show, he was, he became kind of the auteur of the show. And, uh, and, but Gary Marshall also uh, amplifies this, that, that, that by season two, even, even season two, especially season three, those two stars really had a lot of veto power uh, on not only what scripts would be done and how they would be written, but firing writers, hiring writers, and they were really a creative force. And, and you kind of cross them at your peril. We also knew that Klugman was very difficult on set of Quincy, that those stories are out there a lot. He was very vocal on The Tonight Show about Quincy, and there's some pretty legendary stories out there about how difficult he was on that show. Yeah. Well, what's funny is that now uh, I had to refresh my, I remember Everett saying that generally about that he, he didn't like working for Tony Randall, but I had to refresh my memory by there turns out to be a clip on YouTube uh, of him talking about the episode. And uh, maybe we can uh, put out a link on one of our, in our show uh, notes. non-existent social media. Oh, we'll put it in the show end. notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, the show notes. Great. We have show notes. Um, yeah, there's a there's a a, a a place the what is it the Television Foundation? Yeah, Are you familiar the, with that? It could be the Museum of Television and Radio has a large. Do they uh, run that? Uh, yeah, there's a Television very, Academy Foundation. Yes. I uh, I, th I think well no it's not sorry you're right not Museum of Television and Radio. Okay. Yes, there's a very there's a very large archive that the Academy did interviewing many many people. Jack Klugman's in there. Tony Randall I think is in there, talking about their yes. history. Yes. Yes, if you're right, anyone who's Googled The Odd Couple on YouTube will find these. Uh, but I was just surprised how, I mean, it turns out they interviewed several, they've interviewed like, it's just like an oral history of television. Yes. And, but thankfully they've taken clips out of several interviews that address The Odd Couple. And Everett does a whole hour with them, but they've clipped out the two minutes he talks about uh, his bad experience on The Odd Couple. Uh, but you can also, you see Randall there, you can see Klugman there, it's, it's a great resource. Um, so yeah, he goes into more detail, which maybe, you know, once we establish the episode, I can get into details of what he says. Uh, but I do know that he, even though he says he told he that he, uh, didn't ever want to work with Randall again, I do notice in his credits, a love Sydney credit. 
Yeah. So never say never. He did make up with him, but turns out like 10 years later. Uh, so that it's nice that they made up. But anyway, uh, I just, yes, I do want to sing his praises. He was a, a great guy and a great TV writer with a great history. Great. It's good. so cool to have that connection. All right. So let's get into the episode. We open with Oscar working at his desk. He's typing. He's smoking a cigar. Among the items on his desk, which I pause to look at, are three empty beer cans, a mini football, which I think is referenced in another episode later where it's actually a radio that may be even in the writing episode we, we watched. We did our first podcast on. There's a football that's a radio. I don't know if it's the same one. And there's a book you can see plainly on the desk, which I didn't realize pays off as a big part of the end of the episode called The American People. It looks real. It looks like some sort of uh, encyclopedia or textbook about the history of America. I can't tell if it's real or not. We know that in prior episodes, there are books that come about that we think are props from the Paramount yes. Prop Library. Right. And why Oscar Madison sports writer would be reading that. Exactly. It just seems like something they grabbed and didn't even pay attention to. There's also a funny little bit here before Felix even comes in where Oscar flicks his ashes into the typewriter. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> no, I missed that. So Felix comes in, he has paper shopping bag in his arms, and he's surprised to see Oscar's there. He asks Oscar if he's working, and Oscar says, no, he's playing Nola on his typewriter. So I think Nola is referring to a song written by Felix Arndt yeah. in 1915, which was written for mm. his fiancée, Nola, not New Orleans, wow. that was a hit for Les right. Paul in 1950. <laughs> That, oh, that would be the connection. That would be why, yes. Why it's a, I don't know the song. I didn't go listen to it. I have listened to some of the other songs they reference. They do this a lot. They reference songs that are yeah. not, I don't even think popular mm -hmm. at the moment. Well, but well, you have to admit, like, right, if it was a hit, it was a 50s hit, then that's their generation. But there are 50s yeah. hits I know. So the, the songs they often reference are oh, not yeah. hits I know. So I, maybe that's. No, they're hits that only people alive in the 50s but, would recognize. I think they're also a bit like B-level hits. They're not. Sure. They're, yeah. they're things that are a little obscure, even in 20 years, right. just 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So Oscar also has a stuffy nose and a voice. And Felix asks if he has a cold. And Oscar says either that's either he has a cold or he's allergic to Felix. I don't understand this. Unless Jack Pullman <laughs> really had a cold in real life, that, that line has no bearing later in the episode mm -hmm. at all. So I don't know. I don't know if they said, oh, Oscar's, Jack Pullman sounds stuffy today while we're filming. We better throw in a line to explain that. That's the mm -hmm. only reason I can explain why that line exists. Maybe it was an ad lib. Maybe, but why would you ad lib that? <laughs> I mean, did he sneeze? He didn't sneeze or anything, did he? No. In fact, I had to, I mean, I, when, when you watched it again, when Felix said it, I watched it again. I said, I guess he sounds a little stuffy. <laughs> uh, Felix right. says to Oscar, you're not going to stay here long. Are you Oscar says he plans to work for three hours until 3 PM. And then he's going to get ready for the poker game. Felix asks what poker game Felix says, Oh, I didn't tell you. I'm sorry. Oscar says, I didn't tell you a bunch of sports writers are coming into town to cover the big fight and they are going to have a big game this afternoon at their house. And from that, we apartment. go into, that's right, in their apartment. And that is where we get into this clip. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> Why would I joke about a thing like that? I'd invite you to sit in, but I know your mother doesn't like you to play with strangers. <laughs> Don't you know what day this is? Yeah, Saturday. 
This is the 27th. Right. Don't you know what, what happens here this afternoon? I told you I know. I'm going to work till 3 o'clock, then there's going to be a big game here. This is Edna's birthday. Oh, you're kidding, yeah. Yes. You never listened to me. For a whole week, I've been telling you that this year, Gloria's letting me make Edna's birthday party. Well, I didn't make the connection. Because you never listened to me. My life means nothing to you. This is a very big day for me. My little girl's 10th birthday. I wish you were happy for me. I can't have a little girl's birthday party while you're having a poker game. That's right, Felix, you can't. That's your answer. That's right, Felix, you can't. When you know how important this is to me. What am I supposed to do? They're coming from all over the country. Charlie Fumman's coming from the West Coast. Al Brown's coming from Vegas. I'm very sorry. You're going to have to cancel your game, that's all. You're out of your mind. Do you know you're out of your mind? I'm not going to cancel the biggest poker game of my life. Well, I'm not giving up my little girl's birthday party. Happy birthday will be sung to Edna today in this house. And it will be sung by four grubby old men who'll be betting on our own So I don't know if I never um, noticed how that um, that line where Oscar says uh, there'll be four, uh, it'll be sung by four grumpy old men. There's a there's a joke after that. Who he says who will be betting on how old she is? I never heard that line before because the laughter is so loud. Oh, is I can't I still couldn't understand. I couldn't hear the rest of the line. Yeah, he says laugh. it'll be sung by but four grumpy old men who will be betting on how old she is. <laughs> And that's then, really funny. Yeah, I had I had to look at the <laughs> captioning because the laughter. Uh, so one thing I don't like about it's a funny interaction between them, and it, it just shows the natural tension between their lifestyles. I don't like when Oscar says "your kid," because we already had just a few weeks ago. Oscar had a very warm relationship with Leonard. Clearly, yeah. he knows Leonard. Right. Uh, to refer to Edna as your kid, which is clearly for the audience and the writer who's writing this. I'm sorry to to put Everett down here who <laughs> I, okay. he doesn't he kind of disowns the episode apparently so, yes you know it's not this is, clear this is Tony Randall's fault we'll, we'll say that right <laughs> um you know the, obviously there's no connection between it I, I don't believe that he would have a warm relation with Leonard and called Edna your kid I mean it doesn't have to be as warm as it is with Ed, uh, with Leonard right away but I, I always found that annoying and a, and a disruption well first of all well, you know, anyway, well, in fairness to Everett, but also you're right that, you know, it, it also, here's an example of writers who are not writing for the series, who are just doing one episode. So it would make sense out of context, but uh, it, only in the context of those other episodes, of the other episode, it, it seems off. Uh, but I'm glad you brought up the Leonard episode, because here we are again, just, isn't it just two episodes later? I, right? Yes, I think so. Um it's the same <laughs> plot. It's the, you know, we just had Felix really wanting to do something. I mean, it's not, this is not a criticism. It just shows this theme is very strong this season that they want to keep showing Felix as the divorced father trying to be a good father. And uh, so we saw him trying to prove himself to Leonard as the football coach. And now he's trying to please Edna with the birthday party. And Oscar is always the one getting in the way of that. So we have this, it's like the same basic narrative uh but with the other kid but you're right it's like it's out of character for oscar to be that dismissive on the other hand it establishes the premise that all oscar cares about is the poker game which is fine and, and i and i might i we I will talk about that later um i still think you could do both you can have him yeah. focus on the program without this dismissive reference yes. of edna that doesn't make sense to me yes. so after that clip we go to titles we come back from titles 
And Felix says they have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Edna won't be here any minute. And Felix gets angry and actually hits Oscar with a party blower on, the, on his back <laughs> twice while asking, are you listening to me? Oscar says it is settled. This is his apartment and he has priority on all social events. And this is one of several times, which I'm glad about because it's, a, it's the basis for the show, that Oscar reminds Felix that Felix moved in with him. So Oscar should get priority over these things, even though, as Felix says, he pays half the rent, to which Oscar says he'll give him back today's rent. Uh, it is Oscar's place. And yes. I, I think he has a point there, although obviously I think Felix has his point as well, especially if he's been reminding him about the game. So Felix is first about the party. The party, sorry. Felix uh, is very angry. He changes tact. He goes from anger to appealing to Oscar's emotional side by saying, where is your heart? What's more important, a poker game or a little girl's birthday? And Oscar just stares at Felix with a look (laughs) that says the poker game, clearly. Felix asks, is that your final answer? And then we get an Oscar, 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 followed up by beneath that stained shirt, there is no heart. Uh, Felix gives up and says that they'll have to have the party in the park. Oscar says, beautiful, Felix. You see how easy it is? Felix says there's one condition, though, that when Edna comes, he has to take care of Edna while Felix goes out to pick up a cake and interview a clown. Oscar's surprised (laughs) that he's going to interview a clown, but Felix says you are nothing today if you don't have a clown at a birthday party. It's a surprise, (laughs) and Felix has to go to the office to interview the clown. Oscar asks where the office is and says, in a tent? which cracks Oscar (laughs) up when he says that. Uh, Oscar says, fine, he'll watch Edna, but he doesn't think, again, your kid likes me. I don't know why he has to say your kid here. I don't know why he doesn't say, Mm. I don't think Edna likes me. I do not believe, I'm sorry, this bothers me. It's bothered me for 40 years. Why he wouldn't say Edna doesn't like me. You know what else is funny about that? Now that I think of it, it's like he's, it's as if if, uh, Felix only has one kid. There's no mention of Leonard at all. Right. That's another. There are two kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Felix says Edna loves him. The last time she was at the apartment, didn't she bring you a present? Oscar says, yeah, a can of room freshener. That alone (laughs) shows there's a warmth and a connection that you don't say your kid. I know some people call kids the kid or something, but I don't believe that here. I find it it a lazy writing or a lazy connection, other episodes, to your point earlier, and not just the way Jack, it's not the way Oscar talks about, would would talk about it. So Edna rings the bell, comes in, wearing uh, a party dress and white gloves. I don't know if you noticed that. Very fancy. She's wearing white gloves. Very old-fashioned. Very Very old-fashioned, yes. She has licorice whips, speaking of (laughs) old-fashioned. I don't think a 10-year-old in 1970 was calling licorice licorice whips, but she does. She has two for – she has two. Two black – I'm sorry. She's got two black ones and two red ones. I I guess one for each he and – she and Felix – he says, I bet you brought one for Oscar, Uncle Oscar, but Edna perpetually shouts no. And Felix says to give him a hug, which she then does with a very nice, warm smile. A very, very confusing 180 for me here with Edna. Edna's like, no, I will not give Oscar, Uncle Oscar any of my food. And then it's like, oh, Uncle Oscar. I, I, I found that distracting. Even well, though I saw I, that as, yes. They, well, they have this, as we'll go into, they have this running joke that she's kind of just like her father. She's a neat freak who's repulsed by Oscar's hygiene and messiness habits, and, uh, and she's grossed out by it. But um, she tries to be a, a well-behaved girl. So Edna's played by Pamela Ferndon. Pamela Lynn. It's not Pamela. 
I always think it's Pamela. It's Pamela Lynn Ferdin, who started acting when she was in five in 1964. She appeared in many TV series, including Star Trek, Green Acres, Gunsmoke, and Mannix. This is her first of two appearances as Edna on The Odd Couple, but this is not her first appearance on the show. She played mm. Bunny, which was that episode I referenced last week. Right. In the season one episode, Bunny is Missing, which, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go into how bad much I don't like season one. And I remember watching that episode as a kid and being really annoyed by it. And I think she was annoying as Bunny, even though she's not annoying as Edna. So wait, this is crazy because I don't remember that episode that well. But you're saying that they brought back the same actress. They brought yes. back a different Edna no. just one season later. Uh, well, there, there is another actress who plays Edna later. Right. So pa- yes. Pamela Ferdinand played Edna twice. But she was oh, in okay. three episodes. So Pamela <laughs> Ferdinand was in three episodes of The Odd Couple. One as Bunny and two as Edna. But Okay, but in the Bunny episode, was there Pamela an Edna? Edna? No, no. The, the bunny okay. episode has something to do with uh, Felix and Oscar go to a mountain cabin and some group of Girl Scout troops get lost. Yes. Yeah. Vaguely remember, right. So it's interesting. So they discovered her for that part and then they brought her back as Edna. Yes. Uh, I was, it, it seemed, she seemed really familiar to me in a way that I wasn't sure whether it's just from the odd couple, but then no. again, you say she only was in three. So what is What are you leading oh, up to? She's, she's no, really no. familiar to me for something. Oh, well, there's, I, well, you were, I don't, there's a, she was in a lot of TV in the 60s and 70s. She's on a Star Trek episode that if, I don't think you're a big Trekkie. Yeah. I can't tell you what you've seen her from, but if you go look at her IMDb, <laughs> okay. she was okay. in a lot of TV in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. If, although yeah. I okay. still think what you're thinking of is the odd couple, but if there's something else, go look at her IMDb. But you're saying after this, she did not go on to So a after her work, her acting work ended oh. by the end of the 70s. So she did a lot of TV in the 60s and 70s. And by the okay. time she was mm-hmm. a, more of an adult, she stopped acting. I see. Okay. I don't know if it was okay. a choice or not. Right. Um, so she, she does go give, as we said, she gives Oscar a hug, which is interrupted by Oscar smoking, which makes her cough. <laughs> very feels like. So now we cut to an establishing shot of the clown's office building which we're later told is 10th Avenue. I couldn't tell exactly what street we're seeing here in New York. I've been able to dig that up some other episodes. I don't think it's 10th Avenue. No, I don't really think that matters. So we enter the scene. As it seems it's a very, it is kind of a, uh, yeah, I, I thought it might be more downtown uh, in the financial district or something, because it's like kind of a big warehouse looking building or so, old. Funny you say that. So I, I yeah. live next to the Federal Reserve downtown. Ah. And oh. the building in that shot looks like the Federal Reserve, but it's yes. not. Yeah. Okay. So we enter the scene as the clown dressed in civilian clothes is asking Felix who gave him the reference. And then they spend way too much time talking about some guy named Mark Bennett, (laughs) which felt like some name of somebody's friend that they won a contest. So they put it in the show where maybe it's Everett's high school (laughs) college roommate. And that that guy, Mark Bennett, gets a free jelly bean trick and that he's a VP at a Chase Bank. I have no idea why there's all this exposition about this guy. That also struck me as something I didn't remember, which probably means it was cut for syndication. It's an easy cut. Yeah. Yeah. So then we learn this is Sherman the Clown because Felix sees a giant cigar on the desk with that name on it. And Sherman is played by Hal Smith. His credits go back to 1946. He did a lot of TV in the 50s, but he really found his calling doing voice work for animation. He was a voice in, he was a voice in Clutch Cargo, Huckleberry Hound, Quick Draw McGraw, 
the Flintstones Scooby-Doo, and maybe most famous as Davy from Davy and Goliath. And if okay. you listen, and if you listen to his that. voice closely, <laughs> you will hear you will hear Davy in there. Was that from the '60s before this? Or uh, I think it was '60s. Times? No, '60s, I believe. He also did a lot of Saturday morning shows in the 1980s and 1990s. This Ooh. is the second Odd Couple appearance, and what's weird is the second ep- other episode he was in was the other birthday episode where Felix tries to surprise Oscar. That in episode. Uh, no, season, no, it's a later season. Was there a birthday episode oh, in season one? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said this was his second. So this was his, this was his first, sorry. This was his first of two Odd Couple appearances. His second okay. one was the other yes. birthday episode. He plays I, Arthur I O'Reilly, that. who Oscar uh, spent time on with the, the drunk. That's right. So it's funny <laughs> that this guy is in both yeah. of the birthday episodes. Yeah. Uh, so the scene ends with Felix giving Sherman the date and time of the party and Sherman suggesting they, that, that Felix looks at what costume, or they look together to figure out what costume does he wear. I, I assumed he wears a clown costume, which is what he does, but I guess Sherman <laughs> has other costumes. So now we cut or to another- Different varieties of clown. Right. So now we're, we cut back to the, uh, to the boys' is a, a living room where Oscar's minding Edna while Felix is out and Edna's watching TV. We're going to play a short clip of Edna watching TV and interacting with Oscar. Edna! Edna! Edna, honey, could you turn the set down a little bit, please? If I make it any softer, I won't be able to hear it. I can hear it great in my bedroom. I've got the door closed. Okay. And honey, 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 could you stick to one channel instead of all that changing? I feel like I'm living in a time tunnel. You won't let me have any fun. It's my birthday. When is the party gonna start? Soon as your daddy gets here, honey, okay? Your shirt's out. Yeah, I got a hole in my pants. Oh, Oscar! 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 (laughs) So clearly, the writers knew they always wanted to have... Edna say Oscar, Oscar, Oscar to show that like father, like daughter, but it's yeah, cute and it's yeah. worth it. And that's why we wanted to share the clip. Um, I also like the time tunnel reference to the Irwin Allen show, the time tunnel, which was oh, just I been canceled a few that. years earlier. Yeah. Um, so now we cut back to Felix back with Sherman and they're looking at potential shoots suits for Sherman. There's pictures on the wall and Tony Randall, there's an obvious voiceover again. There's something that's dubbed over. Mm. I don't know why. But he says, what about the bear suit? And uh, we, it's, uh, Felix's back is to Sherman while he's looking at the pictures. They show us, they show the audience that Sherman is taking a drink of alcohol out of a paper bag like a drunk <laughs> while Felix is looking at the pictures, which is important for uh, later on in the show to show that Sherman's not that into clowning. Uh, Sherman says vicious kids destroyed that costume years ago. So, of course, in my head, it's like, okay, well, then why don't you take that off the wall so you don't have to have every person who comes in suggest it, and then you have to explain that story. So Felix decides to go with the basic clown outfit. They go through the various tricks that Sherman will do, the jelly bean trick, the flopsy-mopsy dance, which he then does for Felix. It's pretty funny. And the biggie. Of course, now we're back to the word biggie that we just <laughs> had with Davis Timber. Back to the biggie. Um, which, of course, is interesting because... It's not the same writers. So you wonder if that's something Tony Randall stuck in. Mm, maybe. Um, and the biggie is that his shoes explode. Felix asks <laughs> if it's messy. Uh, Sherman says no. And then there's a very odd exchange here. Now, I don't know if you have thoughts, thoughts on it. 
So Felix says, this is a party for little girls. And Sherman says, there is no rough stuff in this. What does that mean? Oh, well, I don't read anything. <laughs> I don't read anything. Uh, uh, he said, sorry, he said that to reassure that. Us. He yeah. said that to reassure yeah. Felix. But what is that? What, what does okay. that mean? Yeah, no, I take at the most literal level, it's, it, he talks about his shoes exploding. Yeah. And that sounds like dangerous. And so I don't he, think by saying it. no rough stuff, I think he's literally saying no one will get hurt and it's whatever. That's what I took it as. All right. I feel like it's... I, I, you that think is, there's some innuendo about something. Yes. I, your answer is the most logical and the one that makes anything I'm trying to figure out go away. <laughs> I just don't think it's what they mean in this. Anyway. So they agree it's $15 for the afternoon, which is $93.27 today, which actually to me seems like a fairly reasonable price for Good a clown bargain for, like for hours. Clown, yeah. yeah. So the next, especially considering what Felix said about the, you know, the clown is the big thing to have at a party. Right. It's the biggest thing. Well, no, it's the biggest I love that. Yeah. But I just recalling that line, I just love that from the other scene because it's like, even you know, here we are, 1971. It's like, this is the thing you have to have at your party. Uh, in the way today, I guess you need to have uh, a breakdance reality. Oh, or I was a little. Oh. <laughs> I was going back to uh, our time. anymore. Now. Okay, sorry. Right, yeah, whatever the thing is now, you have to have at your party. That I'm sure is some high tech gadget. Instagram um, live. Yeah. It's right, right. No, now it was a cl everyone's having. A, you're nothing. What do you say? You're nobody if you're not having a clown at your party. Right? So now we cut back to ten forty. Oh, sorry. Not, One oh, more thing yeah. about the yes. the clown scene. Yeah. I mean, uh, and this may. This partially explains what's going on in the very beginning, that, that kind of uh, uh, non-event dialogue going on at the beginning. But what the whole scene is, in a, it, this, the comedy of it or the satire of it is this negotiation, a purely business transaction for something that's supposed to be as fun as a clown. And as uh, Felix will point out later, we're watching Sherman calculate with an, ad, an old-fashioned adding machine adding up all the prices of all the every, all of his bits he charges for each bit and uh, the over and the even at the beginning the one sort of joke or the one line that lands from that is that i want to know who referred you to, referred me to you because they get a, a a bonus on their next uh party and so it's sherman is like the most crass calculating kind of uh unwarm not warm uh, uh not the kind of guy you want as a, as your clown but so, to be fair if you're working as a clown man yeah so i i was about to say that so let me address that now i sherman's <laughs> clearly a terrible clown he has no interest in being there he's a drunk and he likes to gamble <laughs> right. but i do not think it is fair to knock him for adding up his mm -hmm. bits that's his business yeah. so it, it, in yeah. fact he has an office is not a bad thing in fact i think that's actually very respectable I also do not believe that Sherman needs to pay rent on an office to do this business. I think that's silly. But yeah, I do, I, do not dis I do not agree later with Felix when he makes fun of Sherman for that. There's so many other things to not Sherman for. So the yeah. next scene, Edna comes into Oscar's room, and we're going to play a clip, and, and then we'll talk about it. I'm Oscar! What is it, Edna? <laughs> Like this. I practice. <laughs> what is it, honey? 
There's nothing good on TV. This is New York. There are 52 channels. I know. I heard them all today. <laughs> go ahead, honey. Go out. Watch Sesame Street. That's on now. Aw, oh, that's for the kids. What are you, a giraffe? <laughs> hey, there's a blue stain on your rug. Well, that's the original color. <laughs> you mean the rest is all one big stain? <laughs> Here's a half a tuna fish sandwich. Yeah, go eat in the living room. I'm just typing. I like to watch typing. Okay. Um, Cincinnati is spelled C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I. There's a different Cincinnati. There's only one. How can you be a writer if you don't know how to spell? Spelling's got nothing to do with writing. Mrs. Lang says spelling is very important. Well, you tell Mrs. Lang it's impossible to spell and write at the same time. <laughs> you make a lot of mistakes, don't you? All those X's. Those aren't X's, those are kisses from my editor. <laughs> now, honey, if you want to stay here, you got to be quiet. Okay. You know, this room is a fire hazard? Report me tomorrow, huh? My daddy said someday you were going to disappear in this room and they'd never find you. <laughs> someday your daddy's going to disappear. <laughs> Honey, I know where everything is. It's called cross-filing. Here's a sock, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this sock is here. That means the other sock is in the laundry. See? Okay. One is in the laundry, one is here. That's how I know where everything is. Now, will you please be quiet, honey? Sloppy but funny. Hello, <laughs> Al! Yeah, the game is still on, 3 o'clock. Yeah, all the guys are coming. You got the address. Good. Bring a lot of money, because the cards are going to be flying. I'm going to win back all that money. Yeah. Right. 3 o'clock. Bye-bye. Uncle Oscar, don't you know that gambling is against the law? Don't you like ice cream? Sure. Well, you, Felix has got all kinds of ice cream neatly packed right in the freezer. Why don't you go hey. have yourself? Be a nice girl. Happy time, birthday girl. Hey, Uncle Oscar, why are you locking the door? To protect you in case of fire. <laughs> so there we see that, uh, now we see natural chemistry between the two of them, which makes the whole point about your kid earlier, I think, uh, it, for me, emphasizes it more. Um, we also heard, and I, I didn't even realize this, there's now an actual connection between the honeymooners and the odd couple, which we've talked yeah. a lot about, because uh, um, Oscar does that basically to the moon Bit that uh, Ralph would do to Alice Bang Zoom exactly. Um, uh, Oscar. So what's interesting to me here is, you know, today we talk about, or even ten years ago we talked about how many channels there are on TV, and that you know three <laughs> years in the seventies and eighties there was only three channels, and here we hear in nineteen seventy one, Oscar mentioning there are fifty two channels in New York. Now of course he's being facetious. But just the fact that there was a mindset that New York has a lot to choose yeah. from is not what we think right. about back yeah. then. So, right, that, so that has to be a huge exaggeration because at most, let's, let's, let's go through it, two, 
Five, four, seven, two, five, four, five, seven, seven nine, eleven, nine, thirteen. Eleven, thirteen. Now, channel three. No, channel three is what you put on when you're attaching yes. something to your TV. Right. So there's probably like six Pong. channels. If you and who, <laughs> no one counts thirteen as TBS. So you had five. You had, you oh. had five. Well, channels. three networks well, six, and three, and three independents. Three independents. Yeah. Nine, eleven. Nine, eleven, and five. Five, right. right. Five. Right. There was no Fox, Fox at the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. So. And there was no, let's be clear, we're in, I know cable starts in the 70s, but we're in 1971. There is no yeah, cable. No, there's no, even in, yeah, even later in the 70s, there's really not cable to right. talk about. Um, so it's just interesting. There's no HBO. No, not yet. <laughs> uh, also, how does he know when Sesame Street is on? Uh, I don't know, but you know what? This is the second, I forgot to mention it last time, so this is the second Sesame Street reference, at least this season. I don't know. And it was one. Sesame Street. Uh, when Felix is dialing the phone, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, right, seven. right. Like I'm Sesame Street. Uh, yeah. And he says, I'm on Sesame Street. And Sesame Street is a brand new show, started in 69. And so it's, it's, it's very much part of the zeitgeist. Uh, and now we talked last week about how we, I froze the image of Oscar's room to look mm-hmm. at all the little yeah. pieces. And oh, we, right. And, now you can compare. When I did it again, I, the angle's a little different, but it looked to me like they had fresh and stuff up. Like it wasn't the exact same stuff. I saw more stuff under the bed now, I think. Mm. So I did no. think they made it a different experience. Oh, and we should, we should explain the visual on oh, the yes. phone ringing. Yes. Which is that right after he says, I know where everything is, this phone starts ringing. And of course, they're just, he's just sitting on the bed having no clue where the phone is. And he has to dig it up under a pile of, under a pile of clothes. It's a great sight gag as they find the cord and they pull the cord yeah. and look for it. follow the cord, right. But Oscar ends up with the fan. <laughs> and then Ed is the one who finds the phone. Also, I like the rug, the rug joke that the stain yeah, is the original color. Oh, that's, well, that's pretty extreme, even. For it us. is. So the next scene: Felix is home. He's putting whipped cream roses on the cake in the kitchen. Next to him, there's a wonderful sight gag that goes on when Oscar brings out a loaf of bread and a plate piled high with salami. <laughs> And proceeds to take two pieces of salami, put in a slice of bread, put another slice of bread on top of that, put another two pieces of salami, and then another <laughs> slice of bread, which he says is sandwiches for the fellas. Now, I don't think he's not putting two. This does not seem a way to serve sandwiches. Uh, I agree. Because there's <laughs> not a slice of bread in between. There should be another slice yes, of bread on yes, top of the bread. Not. You're right. But so he's making all- a tower of bread and salami. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, Oscar grabs now. There's a there's a they force a gag. They force a, a, a physical interaction here where Oscar grabs Felix's arm to remind him to be out by three, which he doesn't need to do. But that allows that forces Felix to screw up one of the roses. Oscar says, "Make it a mushroom." Felix says, "Now he has to make <laughs> all the mushroom." Oscar says, "Mushroom bananas." Who, but mushrooms bananas? Who cares? Felix says, "The children care. I care." He wants it to be a day she'll always remember. So they did that thing just to launch into that yeah. kind of monologue. Uh, then they discuss what to write on the cake. Right now it just says happy birthday. Oscar thinks that's enough, but Felix says it should be, it should have more to it. Oscar takes the whipped cream out of Felix's hand and adds to the cake by writing Edna. Felix says he could have done that. Oscar says it's perfect. Trust him, he's a writer. Felix says it's simple, but it says it. Edna now comes out in a new dress, but no gloves. And Felix and Oscar both see how beautiful she looks. Edna looks at the cake, reads out loud, happy birthday, Edna, and then says, it's simple, but it says it. 
which is, by the way, I think one of the few lines that Pamela Lynn Ferdin says that sticks in my head, that it's simple, but it says oh. it the way she says it. Uh, now, yes. when she says yes. that, like Oscar's reaction has to do with the fact that she's basically, again, a little Felix. <laughs> but he looks up to God when she says that. Oh, That's his I, I reaction, that. which I always found like, oh. why is he doing that? Like, why is that his reaction? I always found that a little odd. Hmm. So next thing, we're at the big poker game, and we have four other reporters there. And they are uh, Big Al, who we here referenced uh, earlier. So they actually had some good continuity between the reporters' <laughs> names that are referenced 10 minutes earlier. He's played by Peter Dawson, who has pretty limited acting credits, as do all of these reporters. He was in a season one episode of The Odd Couple. Then we have David Fresco, who plays Charlie. He was acting since 1946. He did a lot of TV in the 50s and 90s, including Alfred Yeah, Hitchcock, he looks very familiar. Batman, Man from Uncle, Mannix, Barney Miller, Hill Street Blues, and NYPD Blue. I guess I shouldn't say all of them have limited acting credits. Some of them do. This guy, uh, David Fresco, does not. He has a lot of bit parts. Frank mm -hmm. Laverde plays Harry. This is his second of four Odd Couple episodes. And then Tom Stewart is listed in the credits as man number one, who I assume is the fourth reporter who gets no name. He has some limited acting work, Mannix, the FBI, Canon, and Remington Steele, which I think was, you referenced a few weeks ago as one of the a writers. writer. One, yeah. of, one of the writers, yeah. So we hear thunder in the background as they play poker. One of the players says, it's really raining out there. And on cue, Felix comes in with Sherman, Edna, and three mm -hmm. of the girls, three girls from Edna's party, and they're all wet and miserable. Uh, one of the girls is played by Cindy Eilbacher, who uh, starred in one of the most famous sitcom, uh, worst sitcoms of all time, My Mother in the Car. But she was <laughs> also, oh, sorry, she was on My Mother in the Car, which one of the worst sitcoms of all time. But we talked about this show already. She, Randy Whipple, who played Chubby, yes. was also yes. on My Mother in the Car. I think they Whoa. played brother and sister. So how Whoa. about that? Mind-blowing. When we get Randy Whipple on the show, we'll ask him about Cindy <laughs> Well, I, I think the what I first think of is like, uh, there's there are only so many casting directors who specialize in children probably in the industry at that time. So if you're and a kid actor, you keep going. you're with the same agent. Felix is carrying a pink cake box, which is similar to the one he actually had last week mm, in the divorce episode. Yes. Uh, and we go to commercial. So the next scene, we see an establishing shot um, of Fifth Avenue with people walking in the rain for some reason. I guess to tell us it's raining in New York. I don't know why yep, that shot yep. is there. <laughs> um, and then... I was also thrown by that because it seems like it's Bryant Park. And are they trying to suggest that's the park they were in? Maybe. No, but they must it have gone to Central Park. They would go... Yeah, I think they yeah, even yeah. said Central Park. So, so we're we'll, establishing shot. Now we'll play the scene after we come back from commercial. He came back! Forgive me! <laughs> We'd have stayed out all afternoon, but the monsoon came. Hey, old twins, come on in, come in. Thank you. Boy, this weather is murder on your front, you girls. Go over by the radiator. Get warm. Get warm. The party is a disaster. Well, it's only a thunderstorm. It'll stop soon. You can go back in the park. Are you joking? You'd send us back to that wet park? You'd risk six cases of pneumonia for a poker game? Of course. <laughs> How long are they going to stay here? Till I get my 350 bucks back, I might take all night. Hey, fellas, I see something there that could save my life. Can I have it? Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you. 
Send us all to the movies. What is that, an anecdote or a suggestion? I'll pay for the cab fare. Why don't you take them to a nice, warm, dry movie? There are five movies in this neighborhood. Four X's and an R. <laughs> you want me to sing happy birthday to my ten-year-old daughter while two people are groaning in Swedish? <laughs> well, you better do something. The kids are getting chocolate all over the money. Take your card game into your room. What's the matter? Are you ashamed? No, it's just a lot of money involved, that's hey, all. Oscar, we can't play out here with these kids. There's another room we can go to. <laughs> all right, yeah, we can play in my bedroom. It's not the greatest place to play, but probably bucks a All right, so I've always had a bone to pick with this line of dialogue, even though I love, well, I'll say what I love first, which is that the way Felix introduces himself while there's all this <laughs> playing going on and the way they are just not ignoring him is fantastic. And we just see here how you mentioned earlier how passionate Oscar is about um, his poker. And there's a great natural tension here. But I remember even as a, I don't know, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever, we, I grew up around 86 in Park Avenue. There were no X-rated movie theaters. <laughs> there were all general entertainment right. movie theaters with G and PG and R, plenty of range. I remember seeing whatever G-rated movie existed in, in, uh, in the 70s at those theaters. That is, that is a falsehood. falsehood. Yeah, even, um, you know, that multiplex on 86 and 3rd is still there. It's now an AMC, but it was a Lowe's, right, back in the day? Uh, yes, that's right. I remember seeing Return of the Jedi there. Um, I remember seeing Batman there in 1989. I that was, and that was a multiplex even certainly in the 80s, probably before that. Um, yeah. So... You're right. It is not accurate to say that on the Upper East Side there were no normal movie theaters, but it there is were no so, also there were no X-rated movie theaters. Forget the no normal. So, well, there were no X-rated me, movie okay, theaters. Okay, so let, I, 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 uh, there are other things to say about the scene, but just let's get this out of the way because that that whole rant of his about the the X-rated movies is uh, very historic because the X rating was actually introduced by by the MPAA. In the late, I don't want to say the year, I don't know, but in the late 60s, as basically the equivalent of what would later become NC-17, like a way for Hollywood, a way for the ratings board to give a pass to allow to be released a, a adult a movies with an adult serious movies, not porn, but that couldn't get an R. And uh, Clockwork Orange was rated X. Uh, Midnight Cowboy won the was a huge deal when it won the oscar because it was officially rated x later they changed these ratings and just made them r but by the standards of the early 70s um that was a thing now i may you be know what? interpreting this because 
that's actually, not Felix's No, you're making a great point, actually. You're making a great point because it's possible that what you're saying was X-rating then, like Midnight Cowboy. But then he says yeah. moaning in Swedish. So, Okay, now I got that. I know what that is, too. I know that yeah. reference. Is that, that um, is, there's well, very much a reference to, I suspect it's all about the movie I Am Curious Yellow which was a Swedish film from the late 60s. I'm just looking it up, 67, actually, which was the first uh, wide, somewhat wide release film in the U.S. that was considered sexually explicit, but was allowed to be because it was a Swedish art house movie uh, and uh, foreign, foreign film, you know. And there, so in the, late, in the late 60s and 70s, there's this idea that the foreign films are much more sexy and more advanced and more explicit. And... Uh, and a lot of them came, the most explicit came from Sweden, or especially this one famous one did. So I imagine the 1971 writers and audience are thinking of, along those lines. So I will, uh, so it's, I will, it's I a will, great joke if you know about I Am Curious Yellow. That's all I'm saying. I will give in and say <laughs> that in the 70s, because you actually are making me think about it differently, there were X-rated movies that would pop up in theaters around the area. I, but I do not accept that there was no movie available for 10-year-old girls to see in the area. That is not true. Yeah, that is wrong. And, we, and I want to uh, qualify what I'm saying by the fact that there is that great episode coming in a, uh, another season or two where Felix direct unwittingly directs yes. a porn film. Yeah. <laughs> so there is, but I think even then, Oscar refers to it as a double X-rated film. And that's what happened is that the porn industry took a uh, sort of uh, def- use the label X, but called it double X and triple X, even though those weren't real ratings, just to, uh, as a selling point. But I do love the phrase, four X's and an R. Yes, yes. It's a funny scene. It's just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just so remember, you know, growing up, I was always so yes. excited that I grew up around. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a really good scene. Also, one thing that, that isn't, visible, isn't audible, sorry, in the clip, is that Sherman, it takes a drink of alcohol during that. Right. Furthering showing that he's really kind of just a degenerate. At, at go runs to the poker table where he yeah. sees the boot, and that's the beginning of what we're gonna like. Sherman is getting much more involved. They're losing their clown to the card game. So as the poker players move to Oscar's room, Felix sets up the party in the living room. They put on party hats, but they notice Sherman isn't around. So he comes out from Oscar's room because he thought the party was rained out, uh, which is our first indication that will follow. With, with, uh, which follows in the story later that he wants to play poker. He doesn't really want to be a clown. So Felix asks before they start the party, who wants to spray the room? And now we cut to Oscar's room where the reporters are looking all around the mess and one asks, where's the bed? He says it sarcastically, <laughs> but maybe not fully. And Big Al says Oscar's room reminds him of a Cuban jail he was in once. Which is a funny line, but I never, first of all, I don't even remember that line, but what I never even noticed until again, I was watching the closed captioning, is that Oscars responds to that line and says, twice, I got a good memory. So Oscar is, is like this minor character who has nothing, he has no continuity in the show, is given like a backstory of how he was in a jail in cuba twice and oscar <laughs> comments on it which i never noticed and, until this yeah. that's weird uh so sherman comes in now again and says that while the girls are playing pin the tail on the donkey 
he has time for a couple of hands. And the reporters say no, but then Sherman pulls out this wad of money somehow. I don't know why he has that. And they let him in because he's got all this money. Clowning, the big bucks and clowning. So Edna comes in blindfolded, playing pin the tail on the donkey, and almost sticks one of the reporters with the, the pin. Oscar screams for Felix to come in. He said, uh, Oscar says, Edna came in here and stuck a pin in everybody. Keep the party in the other room. <laughs> Felix tells Sherman to come back to the party. But Oscar says he needs him to finish the hand. Sherman says he will give Felix the $15 back, and he quits, which is when Big Al asks, who is the pest? Even though Felix has introduced himself to Big Al a little <laughs> bit earlier, but Big Al yes, wasn't paying attention. To be fair. So now we're going to play the, the response after Big Al, or when Big Al asks, who's the pest? Who is this pest, Oscar? Oh, yeah, that's Come my on. Best friend, no, that's all right. This pest happens to live here. And this pest hired this clown to entertain at this pest's daughter's birthday party. Surely you remember children, sir. When you were young, you used to beat them up. Hey, that was great, Felix. Now beat it, will you, before you become a pest? All right, I'm to I got a Come on, ladies, and I win the fight. Come on, entertain. Do your flopsy mopsy dance. Do anything. Come on. Vicious kids, eh? What about that pin on the back of my head? They're born with pin the tail and ducky. Do something else. Now look, buddy, you have gotten the repertoire that you paid for. Yes, I gave you the jelly bean trick. I gave you the flop box from in the it's park. Kids, have a good time. We're gonna be right with you. Why don't, why don't you give him your biggie when, when your shoes explode? What, with my socks wet? You want me to burn my feet? Look, I've given you all these funny gags. I gave you five rain ad libs and didn't cost you a penny. What kind of clown are you anyway? When I was a kid, I looked up to clowns. I thought they were wonderful people, so free. They did everything for love. You're the first clown I ever saw with an adding machine. What is this world coming to? All right. All right, don't get yourself in an uproar. I'll give you another free bit. All right, girls, we're going to play. We're going to have fun. to a hundred by ones, and I'll start you out. One, One two, two, louder, three, three four, louder. <laughs> Jack, queen, king, I'm in. What happened? I don't believe this is happening. I'm supposed to be hiding. It's all right, don't worry about it. 96, 'Cause if I see you dozing for one second, I'm gonna kill you. Children, children, don't play in the dirt. I really like that scene, the whole pest scene, because we've talked about yeah. how that that is such a commonly used term for Felix. I just love the way he talks about it. Um, and one thing this I also pest. Yeah, I also, you know, in other sitcoms, when Felix gives the big lesson to the clown, the clown would like now become part of the party. 
but he just tricks them to go play poker again. <laughs> yeah, so Felix's totally entire fair. speeches it's, has it's, no effect on it. <laughs> no effect on it. Can we also say at this point, there's been a lot more than usual musical cues, yeah. musical underscoring, yeah. right? We had the sad happy birthday music, uh, don't forget from the other scene, uh, when Felix is describing how sad he is about the party. And now we had this like circus music under uh, Sherman's clowning. And then we had uh, more sad music under Felix's lecturing Sherman. It's, uh, it's a very, getting very adventurous here with the underscore. So now Oscar's leaving and saying they're all going to play in Sherman's office on 10th Avenue. That's where we found out it's on 10th Avenue. Edna asks Uncle Oscar where Sherman, Oscar lies and says he wasn't feeling well. He had to go home. And it's upset. So the joke is, the joke is, why are you taking Sherman? He's the big winner, Oscar says. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, Felix then hugs Edna and says, we'll have fun. And he gives Oscar this death stare. Mm. That is a really mean stare that Felix gives Oscar as he's hugging his daughter that Oscar had just lied to about where the clown is. And you do see Oscar feel very guilty, yes, even, Oscar, about tell, even while he's telling that lie. Yes, yes. Uh, so Felix says they're going to read, he's going to read the girls a story. So now he goes, picks up that book, The American Story, off Oscar's desk. <laughs> oh, that's why it's there, right. And he turns to what he appears to be a specific page, like he's looking for something. He doesn't like flip through the book, hoping to find something. It looks like he's looking for a specific page. And he starts to read them a story. Once upon a time, a young man went down to the corner to mail a letter. And then we fade to a new scene, and the girls are asleep, and Felix finishes. After just time. Yeah. And so he learned you cannot mail a letter without a stamp. Worst story ever. Right. Why it's in that book called The American <laughs> Story. Why, it's, uh, why Felix read that. I don't know. <laughs> why it's appropriate for a 10-year-old. Right. Uh, I thought it would have been that funny. Is the that is the joke, though, that he, yes. you know, the kids are bored out of their minds. I remember originally seeing that. I thought the joke would be that he would read some sort of pornographic story and then have to cut oh. it short, but that's not I what happened. I wasn't going there, but okay. Uh, so the girls all want to go home. The cake is wet. They're miserable. Felix wants to sing instead. So they start to sing, row, row, row your boat. Everyone <laughs> wants to go home. And it says it's the worst birthday ever. But in comes Sherman. But it's Oscar dressed as Sherman. We know this because we hear Felix saying Oscar, like dubbed in. In a the, totally dubbed in line. Totally dubbed in. Um, uh, which is, you know, it always reminds me for some reason when we hear Felix say Oscar, even though it's completely dubbed in, it always reminds me of the way George Bailey says Harry when Harry Bailey comes in oh. to the end of It's a Wonderful oh. Life. Oh. There's this, the way. The, the surprise and delight yes, that Jimmy Stewart right. has for that his brother has yes. come home is the same thing that yeah. Felix has when Oscar comes here. Yeah, I mean, the dubbing in, of course, is always technically awkward, but it's kind of necessary here because the effect is that for a minute, and they may have dubbed it in because they may have just realized that Klugman is so well disguised under the clown uh, uh, head, uh, whatever you put on a wig with, and the costume that it uh, it could take like a few at least a few seconds to realize it's it's Klugman, and the girls have to believe it's Sherman somehow. Although, would they? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe but, they don't uh, care. Yes, but maybe so, they don't care. But you're right, Felix. You need to hear someone identify him as Oscar. I don't think you need Felix, to. I actually okay. think the well, scene would have been. They may have thought so. They may have thought so, but I actually think it 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 just 
I think it's actually more important for it so that we know that Felix mm -hmm. is delighted and now, now has him. a reason not to be mad at Oscar as much. Right, right. So Oscar does some dances and tricks, but the girls said they've seen them all. I don't know how he knows all the tricks. He seems to know. <laughs> he's, kind of, he's kind of winging it, yeah. Uh, Oscar sits down on the couch and puts his giant clown shoes on the, on the coffee table. I don't think Sherman was wearing these clown shoes because they're giant. And they explode, which is the biggie. And the girls are <laughs> delighted. Much to Oscar's surprise. He yes, didn't know he's he did wearing not know, exploding right. shoes. Now, I, I do not believe that these girls would be delighted. I actually think they'd be scared shitless by this exploding yeah, shoe. It is a bit rough. It but is a bit it rough. It is a bit right, sure. right. So maybe you're right. <laughs> but they're delighted. Felix says he was right. It is a biggie. So now we have a tag. Oscar's still sitting on the couch, but his feet are wrapped in towels because, yes, mm -hmm. they did get burned. Edna Felix are playing gin. Edna says she told her mother it was the best birthday she ever had. She thanks Felix and Oscar, telling Oscar there are many things that bug her about him, but he's a swell clown and she is glad he is daddy's best friend. And he kisses him on the cheek. Aww. Yeah. And Felix yeah. says, so you lost a couple hundred dollars, but you made a child happy. Aren't you pleased with yourself? And Oscar says, ick, referring to what Edna said earlier about Oscar. And then they laugh. Oscar and Edna laugh. So kind of a sweet little bit of cheesy, but sweet. so they've yes, they've all reconciled, and yes. uh, and yet again we have, you know, all for all of Oscar's callousness in the beginning, it's he's that they make him that way to make the arc even bigger. That he starts from being totally indifferent to Edna and only caring about the poker, and then it's that it is that moment when he has to lie to her about where the clown is that you see he feels guilty and that's why he comes back as the clown to make up for it and leaves the game presumably you know forfeits his his uh, stake in the poker game yes i don't know so i don't really quite get why this was the biggest poker game of his life that's just four <laughs> reporters randomly coming in but yeah. anyway uh so it's a it's a good episode you're right i actually hadn't thought about the fact that it's there's a very similar in ways to the leonard episode two weeks ago but I also doesn't bother me. I, it's different enough, and it has its own uniqueness and charm to it. Yes, that, um, true. Doesn't matter. So I give it three and a half Murrays out of five. Um, it's very funny. It's a good story. Lots happens. Lots of characters. Like there's, I don't yeah. know, more than ten people on the set at one time. Which well, is you have unusual. all the girl, between the sports yes. writers and the yeah. girls. Yeah, Edna's friends. It's a lot it's a of people. Cast. Which I don't know that could be good or bad at any point. But the, all the players are good. Everyone does their job well. I do think Pamela Ferdin is very mm -hmm. sweet and charming as Edna and is a good, good casting. So I, I give it three and a half, Murray. Uh, I will, well, you know, I gotta, gotta represent from my friend Everett. Uh, but even Everett uh, was, dis was, was, was uh, uh, disappointed uh, in the results. So, but definitely four Murrays for me. Um, I will tell you now, okay, so this is Everett's story that he reveals in the interview that's on, uh, on YouTube, that it's still hard to exactly piece together what happened. But his claim is that he his script with Jim Fritzel really played up the Sherman character. That what he was most proud of was the way they created this clown, this very kind of crass commercial, uh, not funny clown. And I don't know what exactly they more they wanted to do with him. But the big change was he says that they gave a lot of Sherman's lines to Oscar. Good. And I, I cannot 
piece together what that means. He, maybe he's referring to the end when Oscar comes in as Sherman, although that seems like a, a, a sensible, inevitable ending. But I guess maybe even more of the digs, more of the insults or whatever, uh, it's possible he's exaggerating and maybe just a few jokes or something. But I, what I take away from it is that they actually reduced Sherman's part where Sherman was supposed to be a much even even bigger. I mean, he's a big part now. So it's all a mystery to me. But that's the one detail that Everett uh, focuses on. So it's still a mystery. Well, that sounds like the right thing to me. If, there's no reason for Sherman to be a bigger part of this show. Yeah. Yeah, maybe right. In the context of the odd couple. And again, here you have writers coming in who uh, are, are not uh, born out of this show and not commit as committed to the main characters and the main storyline, maybe. So I could understand that conflict. Um, All right. Can oh. I say one more, th- yes. one more thing about this episode? Mm-hmm. Just a, a little thing, to, something to think about. I find, I found myself during this thinking of not one, but two Seinfeld episodes. Okay. That are oh, the, that the birthday party. Possibly influenced by this. Yeah. The you know birthday, what I'm talking about? Yes. The one with the clown with uh, John Favreau as the clown. John Favreau as Eric the Clown. Yeah, right, who, right. Who, yeah. who doesn't know George Bozo. Has, who doesn't, who doesn't know, Bozo. know Bozo. And yeah. it, again, a very, like, almost like a Sherman, like a very cynical, yeah. like unfunny clown. Right. There's something similarity there. And of course, a, a girl's birthday party that's ruined in right. a different way by the fire. Um, the other one being The Baby Shower. Uh, a Is season one Seinfeld, I believe. Oh, not where, the oil. Where, no, no. The babies where Ed, uh, uh, Elaine needs Jerry's apartment to host a baby shower as long as, but on the condition that Jerry's not going away. Oh. And then Jerry has to come back and Jerry and George all end up in the baby shower, awkwardly interacting with Elaine's friends who have, who they have a hot history with, unfortunately. And then Kramer brings in his Russian cable guys trying to get steal free cable. And it's all a disaster, all these worlds colliding. And you that's what's the central joke of, of this, which is that it's the poker game and the girls' birthday party, like two completely mismatched events trying to happen in the same place. What's funny about that is, except for the Chinese restaurant, I, I for some reason, not to the same degree as Odd Couple, I don't watch a lot of the season one Seinfelds. Similar problem, right. Well, well, I mean, I guess it's not uncommon with sitcoms that, you know, sometimes it takes the season to kind of get up to speed or to find its rhythm. Uh, and baby shower is a, a has some weird. Uh, the fans out there will know there are some some very weird jarring aspects of it that would not be repeated later. But it is, I think, it's a good one, and uh, I, and I can't imagine that the writers on both of those Seinfelds were not familiar with this episode and probably familiar with the odd couple in general. Something I meant to mention with David Steinberg, by the way, a few episodes back. Uh, there's another connection with Steinberg uh, directed at least one or two uh, Seinfelds and a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. So yeah. if, if I wanted to argue the thesis that the odd couple is like the proto Seinfeld, uh, you know, the original New York kind of uh, guys hanging out in an apartment uh, comedy. Then, I think you uh, can make some the points case. there. Uh, I'm going to throw out before we go another season one uh, jarring thing. If you watch the first six, eight episodes of All in the Family, Edith has a very low voice. She doesn't have that Edith screechy voice. Oh. 
she talks with more, I guess, what Gene Stapleton sounds like. And it is very jarring. And I can't remember the, where the, inf the, the inflection point came until she became the Edith, Daffy Edith that, that mm. we know now. So yeah. that's another, I like season one on the family for many reasons, actually. But um, all right, we'll say that for our, after our MASH hate watch, we're not going to do a Seinfeld <laughs> podcast. There are too many Seinfeld podcasts. No, but I will tell you, I will tell you, Garrett, there is not a good All in the Family podcast. There's one out there, and sorry if not that those people would ever hear us. Uh -oh. I did not enjoy – those people who watched that show and did that podcast were not fans. Mm. Mm. Uh, but when this is over, if you want to do an, odd an All in the Family podcast, we should. Um, well, I would have to uh, watch it first. So, Well, you've never seen All in the Family? <laughs> <laughs> I, ha I mean, look, I, I'm sh I know it's a great show. But oh. I have only distant memories of watching it when it was on. All right. But it's not a show I've continued to revisit. Right, yeah. But I, I, I will, if we get through this alive, I will take you up on that challenge. Uh, yeah, why would we? I mean, have you struggled to get through 10 episodes of this? No, no, no. Why would no, we not get through I mean, it alive? I'm just saying it's going to take the rest of our lives. Yes. No, it's not. It's a, we said it's about, we have about, we have, let's see. We're 10% there. No, not, no, not even 10% there. No, 110 minus 89. We have about 70 more weeks, so about a year and a half-ish. Okay. If we do this every week, which we've been on a good okay. clip. All right, enough, All right. enough. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. A reminder, which I have not did, did not give last week, that you can reach us on Gmail at 1049pod at gmail.com. I don't think we're ever going to do social media. Uh, we, I know we have, uh, we're doing stuff on the odd we're working couple. On Twitter. I'm working on Twitter. You're working on Twitter. We do stuff on the odd couple Facebook page. I don't think we're going to create our own Facebook page for this. Um, I, I don't think we need it. But anyway, the best way to reach us for feedback is 1049pod at gmail.com. It's 1049pod. Also, we'd love to get, you know, any ratings and reviews you can leave on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, always welcome. So. We will um, we will be back again uh, next week. You pest. I'm groaning in Swedish at you, Ted. <laughs>